This is a little story about four guys named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to do, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got mad because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought that anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. So it ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. There you go. Okay. So I, where did I get that from? That was a sign on a wall at an office that I used to work at, like back in the 80s. Remember, they used to have office signs. Maybe they still do. But before there was like internet memes and stuff like that, there were like these little signs that used, people used to put up at the water cooler. The water cooler, yeah. So that was a famous water cooler sign. Okay. The, the job with the four guys. Okay, so why are we talking about this? We're, talk, we're talking about this because we're talking about a job um, that seemingly somebody was told to do, but maybe it's possible everybody could do, but um, it's also possible that nobody's going to do it, and that's, that's why we're going to talk about it. Because really anybody should do it. That's really the whole class. The job is, you know this week's Pasha? What? Baleischa? So the job is Baleischa es Haneirois. That's uh, a job that was specifically spoken to Aaron Akoin. Hashem tells Aaron, the brother of Moshe, who's the high priest, the Kohen Gobel, when you lift up the candles. And there's reasons why the Torah uses the word lift up as opposed to, to kindle or to light. <coughs> and that's a subject for another class someday. <coughs> but what is very interesting, this is what I want to focus on today, is that in the Gemara, in uh, Yuma Chavdalad base, and then it's also brought as Halacha, in the Rambam Mishnah Torah, Hilchas Bias Hamikdosh, Perek Tes, Chapter 9, in Halachas Hay and Zion, it says that even a non kohen is allowed to light the Menorah in the Beis Hamikdosh. Surprising. Surprising. Um, let's give a little background. I mean, we're familiar with the Hanukkah Menorah. Because that's uh, you know so that's part of our day to day or at least year to year Judaism, but the Hanukkah Menorah is based on the original Menorah, which was a candelabrum in the in the Holy Temple. It was one of the main holy articles, which was used on a daily basis. It was a seven branched candelabrum, which uh, would be lit every single day, and. Um, Light, lighting the Menorah in the Beis HaMikdash is one of the 613 commandments. It's an eternal commandment. We, we're not able to do that commandment because we don't have the Beis HaMikdash right now, along with many, many, many other commandments which we cannot yet do again until Mashiach comes and we have the third Beis HaMikdash. But at any rate, the lighting of the Menorah on a daily basis <coughs> is one of the six, uh, eternal 613 uh, commandments. And the interesting thing about it is that the Gemara as well as the Rambam, who codifies this for us in Halacha. Obviously, 
the Rabbim is the Paisik when it comes to things like this. Um, you know, Shulchan Aruch talks about things that we do even in, in, in today's day and age. But it doesn't talk about things that ceased when the, uh, when the temple was destroyed. So for those things we look in the Rambam because the Rambam deals with everything, everything that ever was kept and ever will be kept. And uh, so over there the Rambam says that surprisingly, and it, I, 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 I hope that it is surprising to everybody, if it's not surprising then I need to explain myself a little bit better, surprisingly, um, although it is an initial preference that a coin should light the Menorah, really, technically, it could be lit by any Jew. That is surprising to everyone? You understand? Like, for instance, carbones, the, the animal offerings, right? Um, everyone could bring one as an offering, but then this, the actual service, the implementation of it, would be handed over to a Kayin. I mean, that's what a Kayin actually means. The name Kayin means to serve. These were the people who were appointed. They were the descendants of Aaron Kayin, and that was their job, to handle all that stuff. In, in the base of Mikdash. So it's very surprising that lighting the Menorah would be something that would be, um, could be done by any Jew. Um, furthermore, just to uh, magnify the question, the location of the Menorah, you know where the Menorah was located? It was located in the area called the Kodesh. I'm sure you're familiar with the Kodesh Gadoshim, the Holy of Holies, and that's a place where even the, even the Kohanim did not enter, only the Kohen Gadol entered, and even the Kohen Gadol only entered Achas Beshana once a year on Yom Kippur. That was the Holy of Holies. And that's where the, the Aron, the, the um, Ark with the, the Tablets of the Covenant was located. But then in front of the Holy of Holies, there was the Holy Chamber. In the Holy Chamber, you had the Menorah, right, the Candelabrum. You had the, the table with the, with, the, with the loaves. And you had the golden altar, smaller altar, which was just used for incense. So, um, and then more external to that or exterior to that was the, the courtyard where you had the large altar, which is also known as the copper altar, where the animal sacrifices were performed. A non-coin couldn't even go to that part of the courtyard with the, with the altar, let alone go into the holy, where the, where the menorah was located. So it's a little bit interesting. Technically, a non-coin, any Jew, can light the menorah, but you can't even go to where the menorah is located. So then the whole question becomes, well, how would it actually occur? So there's different explanations. They could bring the menorah out and light it out there and then bring it back. Or another explanation with a long pole. You could have a long stick with a, like a, like a, with a shamash at the end of it and you reach it into there. Um, but at any rate, the point is, a halacha is a halacha, and it's a very interesting halacha that any Jew can light the Menorah in the Beis HaMikdash. A surprising halacha, interesting halacha, uh, counterintuitive, and um, I guess that's what I want to talk about today. What can we learn from this surprising truth? You know, every, every law in Torah is not just a technicality, chas v'shalom. Um, it reflects a higher spiritual truth. So, and, and the depths of those truths are endless. But uh, a little bit of unpacking we can do. So the question is, what, what can we learn, at least even in some small way, to inspire our, our service of Hashem from this, from this strange technicality? Okay, so everyone understands the basic uh, the question and the, 
the Menorah and the Kain and the non Kain and all that stuff. Okay, fine. All right, good. So I'm going to tell you a story. The story is about a Jewish businessman from Manchester named Max Cohn. And in 1991, Max was supposed to go to Bangladesh on business. And there was a huge cyclone, and it killed, I think, uh, 100,000 people, maybe more than that. So it was, uh, it was uh, horrific. And uh, so needless to say, he was a little bit hesitant to go to Bangladesh in the middle of this crisis. Um, and then he heard that they were predicting another cyclone may hit, so uh, he says, I'm canceling. But then he called one of his contacts in Bangladesh, and the, the contact in Bangladesh told him, no, 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 you should definitely come. It's going to be fine. It's not going to affect you. Yeah, it was, you know, it was a big thing, but it won't affect you. You should come, and we'll, we'll do the business deal. So he was really not comfortable with it. So this Max decides, uh, you know what, something like this, the only way I'm going to have confidence to go is if I get a bracha from the Lubavitcher Rebbe. So um, he started calling Maskiris, the Rebbe's secretariat, trying to get through to see if he could uh, ask for a bracha. And he wasn't getting through. So he decides, you know what, I'm going to start the trip and I'll keep calling. Uh, there were no cell phones, it was 91. So maybe, I mean, there were, but uh, very, very rare. So I remember I had like... Uh, car phone once I had a whole story it was like a shoebox and you plug it into the cigarette lighter and okay that even that was like 95 I think okay and at any rate so I'm sure this story involves pay phones I'm absolutely positive of it because he got to, he remember he started in Manchester he went to uh, Heathrow London Heathrow because you can't fly directly to uh, Bangladesh from Manchester so he got to London Heathrow at London Heathrow he called um, his in-laws and I'm sure it was from a payphone, um, or unless he was in like in the lounge and they had like a special courtesy phone or something. At any rate, he from London he calls his in-laws. He's like, "Listen, I still haven't gotten a bracha from the Rebbe. I'm really nervous to go to Bangladesh." And they say, "No, no, no, you did. You did get a bracha from the Rebbe." And they're like, whoa, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! What are you talking about?" So it was a Sunday, and I guess it was already like Sunday afternoon in England. But at that point, maybe even Sunday uh, evening, but Sunday morning, the Rebbe used to have the dollar line. So people would line up, anyone who wanted to line up and, and get a bracha. So Max's in-law's son, meaning Max's brother-in-law, was a bacher in 770. He was a yeshiva student named David. David went for dollars that morning, and when he got to the Rebbe, he said, my brother-in-law Max is in Manchester and he has a business deal in Bangladesh and he's nervous to go because of, you know, there was, there was a natural disaster over there. So the Rebbe gave David a dollar and said, it should be for the good. Tell your brother-in-law to give this dollar to the person in Bangladesh who is involved with Chabad activities. So this is what David tells his parents, Max's in-laws. They tell Max, and he's like, that's it. I got my bracha. Not only I have a bracha, I have a shlichus. Because now I have to give the dollar. Now, he didn't have the physical dollar on him, obviously, but he would, you know, he would later get it. But he understood. He was, he was 
given a mission, he has to go find now the person in Bangladesh involved in Chabad activities. And now there's no shliach in Bangladesh. There wasn't then, there isn't now. But somebody who's like doing the job of the shliach in Bangladesh, who's involved in Chabad activities in Bangladesh, and I have to give this guy a dollar. And that's great because now I'm a shliach mitzvah and I have an extra protection and an extra purpose for being there. It's not just business. Beautiful. So now he is absolutely uplifted. And um, his, 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 anxi his anxiety completely vanished, and he gets on the plane, and he goes to Bangladesh. Okay, so he gets to Bangladesh, obviously he's there for business, but his main thing is he's earnestly seeking out who is this person who's doing Chabad activities in Bangladesh. So there were very, very few Jews, and the, the few Jews that were in Bangladesh, he basically kind of already knew, because, you know, that was... You know, that was the kind of guy Max was. He was like, if there were Jews around, he would, you know, know about them. So he was asking every Jew he knew, like, who's the Chabad guy here in Bangladesh? And I don't know who's the, I don't know who's the Chabad guy. And so he was looking around for Jews that he hadn't met. And, you know, it was very few and far between, very difficult. And uh, nothing was happening. So on his very last night in Bangladesh, he's at the hotel. And he gets on the elevator. And he sees a guy, you know, when you see someone, you just know they're Jewish. You just, a uh, Yiddish upon them. He sees the guy, he sees, he's, this is a Jewish guy. So Max says to the guy, he says, you're Jewish, right? And the guy says, yeah, yeah, I'm Jewish. He's like, okay, listen, I'm sorry for bothering you, you know, a stranger, but I have to ask you something. Do you know who the Lubavitcher Rebbe is? He's like, yeah, of course I know the Lubavitcher Rebbe. I'm very close with his shliach in North Carolina with uh, Rabbi Groner, Rabbi Yossi Groner in North Carolina. So, and he introduces himself, he says, my name's Walter. The real guy, Walter Yaris. So Max Cohn meets, meets Walter Yaris, and he says, okay, so you, you, you know the Rebbe is, you know the Rebbe Shliach in North Carolina, like, what do you do in Bangladesh? He's like, well, I come here on business, but while I'm on business here, I try to, you know, do what the Shliach of North Carolina did for us. I try to do for people here. I look for Jews. I try to service them. I try to get them Jewish resources, whatever it is that they need. So Max is hearing this, and he's like, okay, you know, you're, you're the guy. You're the guy. You're, the Rebbe said, I have something for you, okay? I don't have it. I have to get it. My, my brother-in-law, David, has it in New York. But I have a dollar from the Rebbe for you because the Rebbe said, I'm supposed to find the guy who's doing Chabad activities in Bangladesh. You're clearly the guy. That's, that, that's you. So uh, Walter's very touched by this. And uh, meanwhile, Max is still trying to clarify, though, because this guy doesn't look like a chassid. He's certainly not a, an official shliach. So he wanted to clarify. He called up uh, Yossi Groner. He's like, uh, this is Max Cohn from Manchester. Do you know Walter Yaris? And uh, Rabbi Groner says, yeah, I know, I know Walter, of course. Uh, where did you meet him? He says, I met him in Bangladesh. He says, oh, you know, Yossi Groner says, Walter really is the one doing the Rebbe's work in Bangladesh. He's like, then you're, you, that, that seals the deal. Okay, I'm telling you that Rebbe sent me with a dollar for, for Walter. And, 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 and Max asks Rabbi Groner, can I ask you something, though, like, did the Rebbe, like, officially tell, Mac, uh, tell Walter to do this? Like, does he have any official title or... 
any any type of like was he was he sent to do this and uh Yossi Groner says no no I mean uh he's not a, he's certainly not an official shliach there so Max says does the Rebbe even know that he's there and like did you ever tell the Rebbe about him so Yossi had to think he thought he says you know what Many years ago, I was writing a duch, you know, a din v'cheshben, a report. And in the duch, I mentioned that I have a balabas, I have a guy here in North Carolina who travels often to Bangladesh, and, and, and that when he goes there, he tries to help Jews there, serving them with uh, Jewish resources. So, yeah, that, 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 how does the Rebbe know? I mentioned it once in a couple of lines in a long letter years ago. And he's like, okay, well, that's it, then that's... That's how the Rebbe knows about it. Anyways. And by the way, this whole story is in the My Encounter, the Gem interviews, the My Encounter interviews, and uh, it's very nice, so you can could, you could check it out. But anyways, that's the story. Why am I sharing the story? So here, let me tell you first of all why I'm not sharing the story. I'm not sharing the story that you should be impressed that the Rebbe remembered something from a letter from years ago that was two lines and... The reason I'm not sharing that is because, the reason that's not the reason I'm sharing it is because I, I, there's nothing I can do with that piece of information other than be wowed by it. And I guess sometimes it's nice to be wowed when you read about people who are beyond, beyond what we think the human experience is capable of. So it's, I guess that's inspiring. But it's not, it's not instructive because for, for one very simple reason, I cannot replicate that. <laughs> you know, I definitely cannot replicate that. So why am I sharing the story with you? Because there is a lesson here that I think that we can replicate and that we can learn from and use as, as a model. Um, and, and, and it's a very simple lesson. Simple lesson, and, and again, it, it, it's, it is certainly inspiring, you know, the Rebbe's memory and the Rebbe's care and the Rebbe's attention to every individual. All that stuff is inspiring, but that, that's, uh, that's not my purpose for telling you the story. My purpose for telling you the story is, is much more simple. If you're in business and you have to go to Bangladesh, what's the obvious thing? The obvious thing is, if there are Jews, if Bashkocha Pratis, Divine Providence arranges that you're going to meet Jews while you're in business in this faraway country. So the obvious thing is, you should help these Jews. What are you there for? You're there to help them. Now, did anybody ask you to? What do you mean, did anyone ask you to? Who has to ask you to? Well, am I the official emissary? Is it my job? <laughs> what do you mean? It's everybody's job. Everybody <laughs> had a job that anybody could have done. Somebody thought that anybody could have done it. Nobody did it, right? Then everybody was mad. This is the meaning of the menorah being lit even by a non kain This is the meaning. What does it mean to light the menorah? It means to inspire Jews. For, for various reasons. First of all, because Ner Hashem Nishmas Adam, that the candle of God is the soul of man, which means that inspiring a Jew, getting their their soul to uh, to ignite 
is like lighting a candle. So that's lighting the menorah is like is like inspiring a Jew, or the other way around. Inspiring a Jew is like lighting a menorah. Furthermore, the menorah has seven branches. Seven branches represent the seven emotional attributes, like we had in Svira before Shavuos. You know, between Pesach and Shavuos, we had seven weeks because there's seven major emotional facets. So the, the Menorah has seven branches. It represents the fact that there are seven different styles of personality, seven personality types. And obviously there are offshoots and derivatives of that as well. But the seven branches represent you know, different strokes for different folks. You have different, uh, different kinds of people. And yet all seven branches are from one single beaten piece of gold. You know how the Menorah was fashioned. It wasn't soldered together from different parts. It was one uh, hunk of gold that was beaten into that shape. And that shows that even when there are seven branches, meaning different styles and personalities of Jews, we're really from one entity. We are one entity. And that's, that's the idea of the Jews. Even though there's diversity among Jews and different personality types, um, but really we're just one, one entity, one being, completely, uh, completely united. And so the, the idea of lighting the Menorah really is the idea of going around and meeting different kinds of Jews, and uh, serving them Jewishly, serving them, you know, by inspiring them, sharing with them a good word, a word of Torah, um, helping them with the, you know, to find Jewish resources, especially if they're in an unfamiliar place, or even if they're at home, but they don't, you know, know how to procure their own uh, resources. A lot of people, unfortunately, they, they, uh, they, they, they don't know how to, uh, to get what they need in order to uh, observe Torah on a daily basis. And so when you see an opportunity like that, whether you're in Bangladesh or you're at the corner store, the point is that it was divine providence that you should meet this Jew, and uh, they need their soul to be kindled. And you could look around and say, well, wh whose job is it? You know, I'm not the outreach worker. I'm not the rabbi. I'm not, I'm not some uh, holy person. I'm just a regular guy. I'm just a regular gal. I'm just, you know, who, who am I? Let, let this be the job for people who specialize in that. And the answer is no, that's absolutely erroneous thinking, um, anybody can light the Menorah, and therefore should. And when you meet a Jew that by divine providence it was orchestrated that you meet them and you're aware that there's something you can do for them to inspire them and to make it easier for them to observe Yiddishkeit, so don't look around and say, oh, where's a coin? Can we get a coin over here to light this Menorah? <laughs> no, no, no. Go ahead, you do it. Now, at the same time, I want to share with you a little bit of a complexity within the halacha. And this, this is interesting. It says anybody can light the menorah, but only a coin can prepare the wicks and the oils. Very interesting. Only You, know, you have to set up the wicks and the oils in the, in the menorah cups, and then you light them. So, the Gemara says, and the Raman Paskins as well, that uh, anyone, anyone can light it, but only a coin can prepare, meaning to fill the cups with oil and to put the wicks in, uh, in the oil. So what does that mean? What is that talking about? Anybody can light it, but only the coin can set it up. Only the coin can put out the wicks and the oils. So here's, here's a another dimension within the, the analogy. 
anybody can and therefore must be an agent, an emissary to ignite the soul of another Jew. However, only a coin, only a professional, only somebody who specializes in it can set up the oils and the wicks. And that means to figure out what methods are useful in inspiring Jews. That's where we have to know our place. So if I'm sitting around and I'm trying to think to myself, well, what's going to inspire Jews? What could I do? What could raise Jewish awareness? And I start uh, just brainstorming ideas. I don't want to say any examples because I don't want to condemn anyone. And I especially I don't like to throw cold water when people are trying to do good. But you see all the time that well-meaning individuals try to come up with ideas that they think will inspire others. And maybe it will even get people excited. But they're not fully cognizant of undesirable side effects or of the image that it projects. And so for, for knowing how to inspire Jews, for that we leave it to the specialist. The coin has to come in and set up the oil and the wicks, and then any of us can and must come in and light it. And let, let me get very specific what I mean. Um, before the Six-Day War, it was right around this time of year, um, so they knew that things were becoming dangerous uh, months before, and so Lag Beimer, which uh, was... Uh, about six weeks before the war broke out, the Rebbe publicly spoke about Mivtza Tefillin, campaign for Tefillin awareness and for observance of Tefillin, that we should go around and get every Jewish man and boy above Bar Mitzvah to put on Tefillin every day other than Shabbos and Yom Tif, and that this would increase the safety and security of Jews in the Holy Land and all over the whole world. Okay, now when the Rebbe came out with that initiative, obviously that was uh, radical, and it got plenty of pushback, plenty of pushback. I wasn't around in 67, but I remember as a Bacher, when I was doing even then you had people who were skeptical of it and judgmental, and okay, now it's much more of a commonplace thing and more accepted, but you see, you see how much was accomplished with the Tefillin campaign, how many people were brought back to Yiddishkeit and, 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 and given Jewish pride and Jewish awareness because of it. And that, that's just what we see. Then there's so much that we don't see, the spiritual effects that the Rebbe spoke about. At any rate, the point is, for anyone else to get up and say, this is the method, this is what we're going to do, that's above my pay grade. I, I, I'm not going to go there. I don't know what campaign, what initiative, what programs we need to launch to save Klal Yisrael. Not my job. But... Once a Koyan has set up the oil and the wick and said, here's what we're going to do, here's the campaign, now it's, I'm not allowed to say, well, this is a specialization, that's not me, let somebody, you know, let a Koyan, let an outreach worker, let a, let a rabbi come. No, <laughs> any Jew can and must step up and, 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 light the, and light the flames, inspire a Jew. You meet a Jew, inspire a Jew. So... I just want to mention that we have a class, a series of classes. We do, we do them on a monthly basis. Um, and all of the, the archives are on soulwords.org, where we go through the Mivtsoyim, uh, the Rebbe's mitzvah campaigns. And uh, I think we've done eight, maybe, of them so far. Um, we started 
in Elul, just before uh, the new year, just before Tavshin Pei Aleph, and they're all on they're all on soul words. Um, what, what was the last one we did? I think we did Mifta Torah. We did the the campaign for for Torah study, and we've done uh, we've done mezuzah. I think mezuzah was our first one, and we did uh, Bias Malisvarim, the campaign to have a home full of Jewish books, and we did. What else? Well, who, who was who was at any of those classes? We did uh, the Mivta Avos Yisrael of your fellow Jew, and we did uh, let, getting a letter in a Sefer Torah. We did that one. Um, we've done we've done a number of them. Oh, we did Mikvah Taras Hamishpacha. We haven't done Tefillin yet. I think Tefillin is the next one that we're doing, and then. Uh, and then we ha- we're going to do the Mashiach campaign, I think is the last one we're doing, because that's like the coup de grace. That's like the, you know, the ultimate, the Mashiach campaign. But at any rate, the point is, there are methods that have been provided for us. The oils and the wicks are already there, ready to be lit. So nobody has to sit and, uh, you know, rack your brain and figure out, mm, I wish I knew what inspires Jews, what gets Jews to uh, identify Jewishly and start returning to Jewish practice. You don't have to figure that out. That's been figured out for us. The oils and the wicks are all set up. The hard part is to have the guts to, to be the one who does it. And yeah, it, it, it takes a little bit of um, uh, humility. It takes real humility to overcome your uh, self-awareness. I, I, I got to say, like, if you ever want to overcome self-consciousness or, or shyness or any of that stuff, you should just go be a Lubavitcher teenager, and you'll be forced. They don't care. They don't ask you, like, what's your personality? Oh, you're shy? Okay, don't worry about it. You don't have to do this. No. <laughs> you, you will be forced to get over your shyness, and uh, it, it's just it's such great. I mean, this is not the purpose of it, but it's a great side benefit. It's, <laughs> it's really great for causing you, you know, to get over yourself, and to realize, you know, it's not about me. It's okay, you know, like, uh, I don't have to be so fixated on my ego and my self-concept. You know, there's something important to do. There's something holy to do. And I'm the one who can do it. You just, you just do it. So, yeah, definitely, ladies, I would strongly recommend you carry the tea lights in your purse and the Shabbos candle lighting times. And, you know, you know what it is if someone throws you a bagel. You know that term, they throw you a bagel? Yeah, throwing you a bagel is like when somebody like hints to you heavily that they're Jewish in a very like unnatural way, like a totally a non sequitur in the conversation. Like, how did this even come up? You know, you, you know, you know, like <laughs> my, my, my wife has story after story about this, like from Craigslist. Whenever my wife buys something on Craigslist, we always like go there and the, the, the person is always like, so, yeah, I remember when I was in Hebrew school. <laughs> Or whatever they like, they like to throw in little references. She has like a whole like Rolodex of our Craigslist, uh, you know, Jews who come out of the woodwork, and it's called throwing a bagel, where they like give you a ridiculous non sequitur type uh, hint that they're Jewish, and and you got to catch the bagel, <laughs> which means you know you open up the your purse and you take out the tea lights, and even if they say no, I already have Shabbos candles, and maybe they do, that's fine. But you got to be ready, you gotta, like the Boy Scouts, be prepared, and uh, and then don't forget there are people who are already observant, but uh, we all need a little kiddov, a hundred percent, and I don't say that humorously or you know glibly. 
I don't care how frum somebody is. I don't care how solid you think they are in their Yiddishkeit. I promise you, they also need inspiration. They also need inspiration. I promise you. And you will never go wrong. You will never go wrong. I mean, if you do it in a busy body type of way where you're like prying and you're like asking them, so, you know, give me a report, you know, uh, tell me about your Avedis Hashem. I want to, you know, go through a checklist. How, you know, which mitzvahs did you do? To the, did, you say, did you say brachas? Then, yeah, you'll turn people off. But I'm saying if you present yourself in a helpful way, in a compassionate way, and uh, you're trying to help somebody to, to do their job as a Jew, I promise you it doesn't turn anybody off, and it's, it's very appreciated. So that's the bottom line. The bottom line is that we have to light the menorah one candle at a time, one shama at a time, and, 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 and whose job is it? Everybody's. But you can't rely that somebody will do it, because really anybody can do it, and therefore everybody should do it, but if we all rely that somebody's going to do it, then nobody does it, or however that whole story goes. And at the same time, remember, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Baruch Shem, we do not have to reinvent the wheel. The, the methods are all laid out for us. And uh, that's it. Really, be be emboldened, be be empowered. You know, nobody nobody had to tell Walter that here's your uh, here's your badge, here's your uh, here's your ID card. Walter knew that if you're in Bangladesh, then help Jews in Bangladesh.